This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Today, we're going to do an episode of Rebranding Safety Reacts. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see that hopefully you'll see a screen. God knows if this is actually working, but hopefully you'll see a screen. If you listen on a podcast, I'm going to try and explain as best I can um, what's going on on the screen. But essentially what we're going to react to today is the phrase safety first. So I'm going to go through a couple of models and things and, and, and how I kind of explain the the how safety first doesn't work and how also it may work as well um so essentially today is just going to be a short video uh, slash podcast of me reacting to the phrase safety first it's something that we hear a lot but it's also something that we hear people destroy all the time so without further ado let's jump quickly into the intro the problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risplit. What's up peeps, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin and today we are doing rebranded safety reacts rebranded safety is brought to you by us at risk fluent it's our campaign to make the world a better place essentially do our bit as much as we can but ultimately change the perception of health and safety so if you want some support from us, if you want a bit more than just listen to a podcast, we provide both technical and transformational services. And we also make videos and podcasts for companies as well within the severe sphere sphere of like culture, safety, behaviors, health and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, from risk assessments to culture change to videos, we can do it. Oh, so just drop me a line, James, at riskfluentlimited.com. If you want to find out some more, go to riskfluentlimited.com. That's riskfluentltd.com. Thank you very much for listening. Let's get into my reaction then to the phrase safety first. So safety first has been kind of demonized for a, a long time. And actually, um, there's not really a lot of, of good critical conversation around it. It's just safety first is shit, safety first is shit. And I I get it, right? But maybe you don't. And and also like saying safety first feels good, right? Feels right, doesn't it? But first let's talk about what it is and what it kind of works. So here I've got a slide that I've used in a couple of sessions, and this is from a paper by um, David Provan and Drew Ray. See the citation there? Um, so Andrew yeah, Andrew Ray and David Provan, so they did this paper. You can actually get this paper uh, free to download. Uh, I think um, it was in the IOS journal, um, which you have to pay for, but I think you can actually download this for free online now. Um, so anyway, I've used this model. So this model comes from the paper. This kind of summarizes the paper quite well. So if we were to kind of break work down into two types of work, safety work and the safety of work, e.g. the operational activity, right? So they kind of break this down into four types of safety work. So the stuff we do in the name of safety, physical, administrative, demonstrative, and social. And then we have the operational activity, so the actual work. So what we're always trying to do is influence the safety of work, right? Hence, safety work and safety of work. 
So that's why they've kind of separated this out to a point, or at least my interpretation is why they separate to represent that there's no direct connection here. We have to try and influence it. It's slightly separate from the work that we do. And that's a good first step for many for many of us, just to understand that the word control is probably misleading. So anyway, bring it back to safety first then. We've got physical safety, stuff that actually prevents, um, it's, it's an actual thing that prevents the likelihood or actual consequences of an accident. So PPE, garden, things like that, right? Stuff that actually changes the operational work. And then we've got administrative safety, stuff that kind of provides essentially like the scaffolding of work. Um, so they've kind of sub categorize this as like structural work, the roles, the rules, and the systems that provide certainty and predictability. And administrative safety sits within that. So our management systems, our safety rules, things like that. Primarily documentation. Then we have de demonstrated safety. Um, so these are things that are essentially demonstrating to external stakeholders. So things like you probably could say the board but probably less so i'd say the board probably sits in administrative safety but there's an important point on that which i'll come back to in a minute um essentially things like auditors the enforcers insurers things like that right that's what this is for and then we have social safety things that um kind of make us feel good and they've actually put safety first in here so that was why i thought it's important to talk about this Firstly, just to make sure I don't misrepresent anything, um, because we did a little bit of a podcast on this before, and something we didn't mention that, that Drew actually pointed out when we shared it on LinkedIn, is, is these are kind of not, these are not like one and only categories. You can have something that sits in administrative safety, and it will have connections to physical, demonstrative, and social. RAMS is a good example, right? RAMS might say that we need PPE, therefore it connected to uh, physical safety it is physical safety at the same time. It's clearly administrative safety, but then also we use it to demonstrate to our customers to get onto site. So it's also demonstrative safety. And it may also have an aspect of social safety because people feel safer because of the presence of a RAMS. So just thought it was important to say that. So essentially social safety is kind of conceptual work, right? So they've put in there, if you can read upside down, it's kind of the normative ideas of an institution. So principles, values, things like that. And safety first, zero harm, very much fall into that category. So that's kind of where they do work, right? Because it can make us feel better. It sets the tone of the organization. It might even be like a, a, a value to kind of contribute to towards our culture to show that we take safety uh, we take it seriously that's what I was looking for so I think it's first to understand it's first good to understand where it sits it clearly sits within social it really doesn't sit anywhere else if anything it might have some value towards demonstrative safety but it doesn't really have any other tangible um, kind of grips on anything else and this is where it starts to fall down before we get into that though I think it's important just to understand the, the concept of work and risk that we're doing. So this is a model that, that we made at Risk Fluent. It's really simple. It's not complex. It's def we're definitely not academics. Um, but we use this just to describe that essentially risk is dynamic. If you imagine 
what you're looking at um, if for those of you on the podcast is essentially two lines going parallel to each other um, but they're wavy so at some points they're far away from each other and some points they come close to each other and it's supposed to represent kind of the the framework of of the work so the closer the lines get essentially the higher the risk the work is the, the wider they are the lower the risk because there's lots of flexibility to move and, and so on um uh, not move but you know what i mean like flexibility within the framework to like multiple different ways of doing it and so on and so forth and what happens when we when we blanket rule so now if you can imagine two more additional parallel lines straight lines um going across those wavy lines imagine if you're on a, a, a podcast you're like what the fuck is he on about if we blanket rule and we set that blanket rule to the, like the low risk way of working clearly we would have too much flexibility when we're when we're doing high risk work right um so it wouldn't work because we never do that what we actually do is we tighten up those controls and we blanket rule that so we normally blanket rule to like a high control way of working which works for high risk work but doesn't really work for low risk because it pisses people off right um so we wouldn't really do that so but I'm, I'm just introducing this concept just to help understand really that work is dynamic but essentially that's how we would kind of explore that model so it's really important to understand firstly that risk is dynamic so sometimes we're doing low risk work and sometimes we're doing high risk work and why is that important to understand for safety first because if we're doing low risk work, it's not safety first. Why would it be safety first? Because safety is a trade-off, as Eric Konagel says, kind of safety is a trade-off to efficiency. Now, I've said in the past that, like, um, I think they're one in the same, safety and efficiency. And, and, and I think probably I've changed a little bit on that. I've, I've more swallowed the perception of, of efficiency. Many of us think efficient, or we not think, we, we would define efficiency as being fast and, and just in time, just enough type model. And, and okay, that's fine. My previous way of thinking was that it would be inefficient long-term for a company to be unsafe because of insurance premiums and so on and so forth. But anyway... So if we were to assume that there is a trade-off between safety and efficiency, therefore, if we were to always be safe when doing our low-risk work, we would be a very inefficient company. And ultimately, we would just go out of business, right? Because you can't be resilient and efficient. It's a trade-off. So in the high-risk work, it is safety first. It is a more resilient way of working. But when it's low-risk work, I don't want us to be resilient. I'm, I'm thinking about safety and slow and thorough. I want us to be efficient and quick because it's low-risk. You know, if you're an accountant working in an office and we've got a phrase of safety first because we've got loads of engineers out doing high-risk work, it doesn't work for them. Because I don't want them thinking of safety first when they're transferring a million pound invoice to save the business and make sure we all get paid tomorrow. And this is where safety first starts to fall down is that if we use it as a blanket rule, it just doesn't work because it's the same as saying it's the same as saying, oh, you, you, you don't have to wear a hard hat because we blanket rules our low risk work. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't blanket rules to control measures and mitigations or whatever that was set for low risk work for high risk work. You wouldn't say how we control slips and trips is how we also control uh, working at high. It just wouldn't work. So essentially, safety first kind of falls down there because it, it is the same. It's that safety first would work to some really high risk work um but it just doesn't when we blanket across the organization when we blanket across the risk it doesn't work 
The next model uh, I want to use here is Rasmussen's dynamic safety model. So you would have seen this quite a lot. Um, this is my very simplified version of it um, because the other one is extremely academic. It's got loads of woolly words on that I struggle to say and explain. So if you haven't seen a Rasmussen safety model and you are listening on a podcast, if you imagine like a weird triangle shape, <laughs> a weird triangle shape um, in a way, and each line of the triangle essentially so you can see here you've got if you're watching on youtube you can see economic failure resource failure and performance failure so each line of the weird triangle shape is a point of failure across that line we fail right um, David and Drew talk about this really well in an uh, episode of Safety of Work called Accident Models or something like that uh, I'll link it in the description below it's really really good um, so essentially what we talk about here is that this this black dot in the center of the triangle is the person in in the work right is the operator essentially and at all times they have pressure to avoid economic failure pressure to avoid resource failure and pressure to avoid performance failure and safety would fall normally in performance failure resource being like there's enough staff there's enough tools there's enough parts there's enough ppe um economic would be budget profit margin etc other performance failure would be quality environment things like that so constantly you are having a battle with these pressures all the time so to say safety first again would have the same poor effect as it does in the previous model because we're constantly having to avoid economic failure and resource failure to say safety first would push this black dot that's in the center of the triangle right close to economic failure and resource failure 24 7 and that's not how a company wants to operate so we have to accept that as a worker we are dynamically bouncing around inside of this triangle and what we can do is just build some margins forever some capacity to fail um, along these lines and stop saying these platitudes of safety first because it just doesn't work because it's not safety first works too dynamic for that it's too complex we are bouncing around these three points of failure all the time and trying to avoid them as much as possible and they conflict you know, it, you just in time, just a, just enough model doesn't really work with safety. You know, it's the opposite of resilience. Very efficient, though. You know, resource failure, you know, having loads and loads of PPE, having a mass stock of PPE in case we have a pandemic or a breakout is terribly inefficient because it goes out of date and we have to replace it. Um, but we've shown, you know, in the NHS that that caused big problems we we were really close we were really far away from economic failure as a british economy when it came to ready to deal with a pandemic in the ppe uh, supply chain for example but it pushed us close to the resource failure line and ultimately the safety failure line because we couldn't get ppe out quick enough but then if we just said safety first we'd, we'd have just gone out of business because we'd have been pushing ourselves right close to economic failure because everyone would have had mass stocks of ppe for years and years and years that they just never used and the nhs ain't got money to spare right so saying safety first just doesn't work when risk is dynamic and work is dynamic so then if we were to think about culture so we might be saying now okay well what's the harm in saying it because it's just a nice thing to say. It's just showing that we that we uh, take it seriously. Well, because I think you saying something in an organisation is very very important within the, within the culture um, of of that organisation. So if we were to take the culture principles by Carsten Bush, 
just to build us a framework of understanding what culture really is, right? So culture is not a physical object. Culture is essentially what they call a construct. It's kind of a thing, yeah? It's just like the air that we breathe. We know it's there, um, but it just it, it just is. Um, you can get insights as to the air quality by looking up and seeing that it's a bit smoky um, or there's a taste in the air or something like that, or you're breathing, but but ultimately you can't instantly change it. It's just, it's just there, right? You need it to survive. You influence it by breathing out and you also rely on it by breathing in. So it's like a construct. It's, it's a property of groups of people. Principle two is a property of groups of people, right? So culture doesn't really exist without groups of people. Principle three, groups of people are complex systems. Principle four, a complex system is a large number of interactions between the elements of a group that are both seen and unseen. And I think that's really important, that interactions. So it's a, a complex system is a large number of interactions between elements, in this case would be people, um, that are both seen and unseen. So interactions between people seen would be, for example, talking, um, whereas unseen might be like, the relationship between you and I because last time we you know we don't like each other for example that's unseen there's a tension there it's unseen for example principle five would be a complex system cannot be understood in advance um, so that comes back to like David Snowden's work as well where he says that um, you know the, the relationship between cause and effect is kind of hard to see you can't see it it just doesn't really exist a traditional um, cause and effect model you know, because you know you, you're going to do this, but ultimately you don't know what's going to happen. Principle six, ordinary cause and effect does not apply. I forgot that was principle six. Someone wouldn't have said that. So Carsten says it as well. Um, principle seven, culture is not caused. That should say uh, it emerges. Okay, so if we were to take those principles, and I like to combine that with two other people's bits of work. So James Clear wrote a book uh, called Atomic Habits, and he says in there, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. And then Dave Snowden defines culture as why does that say Dave Snowden is a property of groups interacting over time? <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, I apologise. If you're watching this on, if you're listening to this on a podcast, I've put Dave Snowden's quote, um, which should say, "Culture is a property of groups interacting over time." It actually says on screen, "Dave Snowden is a property of groups interacting over time." <laughs> My apologies. Um, I now actually remember seeing that when I presented it uh, in a workshop. Uh, I need to fix that. Right. So if we were to take James Clear's work, that essentially every interaction that you have is like a vote towards the person you want to become, or in this case, the culture you want to see, and that culture is a property of groups interacting over time, we combine that with Carsten Bush's work, and we start to see that every interaction we have is like a vote for the culture that we want to have in the end. So safety first then becomes an interaction whether i read it on the lanyard on the wall or whether somebody says it to me whether it's on the document it's on risk assessment whatever it's an interaction between me and that's a vote towards the culture that we want to have so you might at this point be thinking well that's a good thing i want a culture of safety first yeah okay but then it's it's work it's having to work with all the other interactions and that's where this falls down because they go into work if you remember they go into work and they've got other 
pressures on them which are not safety first. And I'm telling you now, the interactions between economic failure and resource failure are more often and more powerful and more influential in the workplace than the performance failure, e.g. safety. Um, So the interactions for economic and resource failure, they're more often than than the, the... than safety first they're more powerful to influence us therefore that interaction of safety first stops now being an interaction of safety first and now starts being an interaction of safety is not connected with the real world and that's where it really starts to fall down because it's not tangible enough so we might start to think that, oh, okay, well, fair enough, but we could use it as like a heuristic, like everyone thinks of safety first before they go and do something. A heuristic would be like a person in a complex situation with some time pressures. They take their own mental shortcuts, past experience, situational context, task and information and organizational factors to solve a problem. And we might insert some heuristics around that problem solving mental shortcut part Um to help them solve a problem but the problem with safety first being heuristic is it doesn't help me solve the problem it's not tangible enough you know if you're thinking about dave stoning gives a really good example of a heuristic in a podcast where he is talking to can't remember so i'm not gonna be able to link it i apologize but he's talking to somebody and he gives an example of a story of him having a climb up the side of a mountain and heuristic kind of helps him um, get up the top and remember how back in the day when he was a proper rock climber how he does this three points of contact three points of contact so he's always thinking through his head three points of contact and that was heuristic that helped him solve the problem that helped the focus helped him get up to the top of the roof so it heuristic should be something that helps us take a mental shortcut and that's the problem with safety first is it doesn't help us take a mental shortcut because it's too loose and woolly it, it just it hasn't got anything tangible attached to it that helps me do my job or helps me solve a problem. So in a nutshell, that is my thoughts on the phrase safety first. I get it. It makes sense. We could potentially use it as a bit of social safety to make us feel better. But ultimately, it's not tangible enough. It, it, it's not it's not able to connect to the shop floor it's not something i can pick up and actually use it means nothing it's just a platitude and it's an empty one at that so i get it i get how it feels right and i also understand as a safety professional how uncomfortable it feels to say no it's not safety first and everyone's like oh my god what what how can you not think safety is first because it just doesn't make sense so hopefully you'll be able to use this podcast you obviously it'll be easier if you uh, come and watch this on youtube if you listen on a podcast because you'll see the the slides and stuff but hopefully you'll be able to use this to help you in that debate and help you come up with heuristics and values and principles that are actually a bit more tangible for the shop floor Uh, It's been a short podcast in the name of Rebound and Safety. 20 something minutes is very, very short. Um, So I hope you've got something out of that. I hope it enables you to have better, more critical uh, conversations around safety, heuristics, principles, and ultimately safety first. And I hope it helps you ultimately rebrand safety. If you need some support with this stuff, we can do workshops around all of these types of stuff. Um, We can also help with technical stuff. So go to riskfluentlimited.com. That's riskfluentltd.com. And um, you can find out everything that we do there. Um, there's a good summary of stuff on there. All the rebound and safety stuff has moved over to there as well. Um, 
if you're not sure and you just want a chat, you can DM me on LinkedIn. You can email me, riskfluentltd.com. Wait, james at riskfluentltd.com. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you. Otherwise, I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson. 